We're going to continue today our study in the, the letter of 1 John, the New Testament book of 1 John. I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible, bring your Bible every week, and, and we're going to move verse by verse uh, through the letter of 1 John. Again, today, as we begin our study, uh, we find that the Apostle John, uh, now he is up in years, now he is an older man, later in life, and we find him in this letter making a case for the biblical Jesus and the biblical gospel. Uh, understand the context is there are some that have come from outside of the church and now even more dangerous, there are some that have come up in the inside of the church and they have distorted the truth of Jesus. And in doing so, they are distorting the truth of the gospel. That's the context that he's writing into. There in the church, false teachings, false ideas of who Jesus is have, have come. Now they've come into the church and he's writing to, to, to really correct uh, the, the truth of who Jesus is and the biblical gospel. So now uh, we see in that context that John now is an older man, picks up his pen and he writes this letter to set the record straight. Again, presenting the, the truth of Jesus and the truth of the gospel. Now, here's the question today. And man, uh, you better believe it is our question as well today. The question is this, why does it matter? He is writing to present the biblical Jesus and the biblical gospel. The question for them, the question for us as well, why does it matter? Why is it worth defending today? Why isn't close enough good enough. And that's kind of the mindset that we have in our age today. Well, it's a version of Jesus or it's close enough to the gospel. Why isn't close enough good enough? Uh, doesn't God know the heart? Uh, does, isn't he just pleased that you believe something? Isn't, isn't it just going to be okay? Why, why can't we say today and why couldn't he say then that any version of Jesus is okay. Any version of the gospel is going to be fine. Why does it matter that we have the biblical Jesus and the biblical gospel? Friends, listen to this and be sure of this. It is because, and, and I can't say this strongly enough, it is because the Bible is very, very clear. There is salvation in the truth of Jesus alone. Understand, it, it is because it is the gospel and the true gospel that it is the power of God unto salvation. And so understand what that means. Any distortion in Jesus, any distortion in the gospel, any deviation from the truth is going to lead you away from the truth and you, listen, will miss salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. That's why it matters. Any deviation in the truth of Jesus, any deviation in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you will be led away from the truth and you will miss salvation by faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is why he writes this letter. And I think we have to hammer that context into our, into our minds, into our hearts. He's an old man. He's walked this road. He's preached the sermons. But now as an old man, he sees this, this threat enter into the church. And so he rises up again and he writes this letter. In fact, if you think about it, I, I was looking this morning. About two-thirds of our New Testament follows this same theme. About two-thirds of our New Testament saying, you know what? Uphold this. Believe this. Follow this. Go through the, the New Testament and, and Paul and, and, and James and Peter and, and John. They're all saying, you know what? Uphold the gospel. Be reminded of the truth of who Jesus is. 
if we're led away from the truth, we're going to miss the truth and we're going to miss salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Well, watch this today. And it's pretty awesome, I think. Watch today as John shows us the importance of the biblical Jesus, the true Jesus, and the biblical gospel, the true gospel. And he's going to do that today in just two verses. Watch as he reveals the importance of the truth of Jesus and the truth of the gospel, and he does it in just two verses. Today we're in 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 2. We're moving to chapter 2. We're going to look at the first two verses. 1 John chapter 2, the first two verses. Listen as I read those. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. All right, let's look at these two verses. Again, we're going to see some great things unfold in these two verses. Let me go back and read the first first verse again. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now let's look at the verse. It starts off and it says, my little children. It really starts to make sense when you understand the context. It literally translates little born ones. Little born ones. Now understand, as an older man, he is saying, he's addressing those who followed Christ after him. And so as an older man, of course, they would be little born ones. They would be ones that are younger than him in their faith. And so he's addressing my children, my dear children, those who followed in Christ after me. Also see this, however, it is also a term of affection. These are the ones that have put their faith in Christ and we're saved by a like faith in our Savior Jesus. And because they love Christ, I love them. And so he has this term of affection. He says, my little children, my little children. Then he says this, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. Now see this this morning. Our goal as Christians, our our priority set as a follower of Jesus Christ is to not sin. I don't don't know if anybody ever says that very often. You know what? It is actually to not sin. Our goal as people that have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, our goal is to not sin. Now think about that for a second. We love Jesus Christ. He died for our sin. The Bible says we have a new heart. We're a new person because of our faith in Jesus Christ. You know what that means? We should hate sin. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we should have an aversion to sin. We should be repulsed by sin. And so it says here, our goal as Christians is to not sin. Think about our lives today. Don't we try to get as close to sin as we can maybe and not cross the line? Isn't it something to say, well, I'll go this far and I'll I'll come up here to the edge and I'll accept some of this stuff and if a little thing goes wrong, that's gonna be all right. But to get close to the line and maybe get as, as close to sin as we can and try and not get burned. You know what, listen, John says this, our goal as Christians is to not sin. 
these false teachers that he's addressing, these early Gnostics, and that's what they were a form of, a, a group called Gnostics. These were the early ones of those folks. And they were developing a system where you had your religious life and you set it here. And then you had your lived out life and you set it over there and the two sides didn't match. And that's, that's what those Gnostic folks, that's what those false teachers were teaching. You could have your religious life over here and you could have a deep religious life and these things are founded over here, but you've got your lived out life, your practiced life over here and the two sides don't have to match. The two sides didn't have to add up. And their, their system was you could profess one thing over here, but you could live entirely different over there. Doesn't that sound familiar? Oh, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven by faith in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. But then you watch the patterns of our lives. And that's the system they're building. You know what? Have your deep religious life and set it over here. But the practice of your life can be something altogether different. Be sure, listen, when you change the truth of who Jesus is, when you change the truth of the gospel, that's what always happens. Understand that. When you say, well, it's just any version of Jesus, it's just any understanding of the gospel, when you change the truth of who Jesus is and you train, change the truth of the gospel, that's what always happens. You see, it is the true Jesus and it is the true gospel that brings a true change to our lives as followers of Christ. You know what? A different version of Jesus doesn't have the power to change your life. A different version of the gospel doesn't have the power to, to change a person that was dead in their sin and wallowing in their sin. It is the true Jesus and the true gospel that leads to a true change in the believer's life. He says, I write so that you may not sin. And then he goes on and says this. And if anyone sins, I write that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, now, here's the truth, and I think it's very interesting. It's butted right up against the other thing. Here's the truth. We sin. That's not the goal. That's not an excuse, but we sin. Man, I hate it. I hate that I sin. I hate that we still sin as followers of Jesus Christ, but the truth is we still sin. Paul says, if you go read the the seventh chapter of Romans, he says he, he hates his sin. He hates the things that he does. He wishes he didn't do them, but he still enters into those things. We sin. Listen, that's the gospel, isn't it? We have a problem with sin. Not self-image, not self-ego. We have a problem with sin. Isn't that the gospel? He says, but if you sin, if you sin, we have a problem with sin. But he continues on. He says this. We have an advocate with the Father. But if you do sin, we sin. If you sin, we have an advocate with the Father. The word advocate, listen to this. It's going to get pretty awesome the next, next little bit here. One that speaks on your behalf. An advocate. Somebody that speaks on your behalf. One who takes up your cause, not their cause, who takes up your cause and speaks in your defense. That's what an advocate is. Really, today, we would, we would say that's a, a pretty similar picture to a defense attorney. John says here, don't sin, don't sin. But if you do, you have a defense attorney. That defense attorney is pleading your 
case. It's not his case. He didn't sin. But that defense attorney, he comes and he takes up your case. And it tells us who it is. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ, the righteous. You have an advocate before the Father. Jesus Christ, the advocate. Follow with me. When we sin, there is one who takes up our cause and who goes and pleads our case, and it is Jesus Christ, the righteous. It is Jesus Christ, the righteous. But get this. Why does he call him the righteous? Man, the picture is going to start to be pretty awesome here. There's one that takes up your case, and it's the one that takes up your case, your advocate, is Jesus Christ, the righteous. Why does he call him righteous here? See this, understand this. He doesn't plead our case based upon our righteousness. We don't have any. He he doesn't come and say, they didn't do it because we did it. He doesn't come and say, they don't deserve a punishment. We do deserve a punishment. He doesn't plead the case on our righteousness. He pleads the case based on his righteousness. What a savior that is. Listen, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He takes up a cause that's not his own. He goes and he is an advocate, a go-between for the father. And it's not a case that he has earned the punishment for. It's one that we earned the punishment for. And he goes and the case is argued on the base of his righteousness. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have an advocate. His name is Jesus. He has never sinned, no stain, no hint of sin, not one. And in his perfect righteousness, he takes up my case, your case. That's the gospel. Listen to verse two. Keep listening. It's going to be even more awesome. Is that a word? I don't know. And he himself, Jesus Christ, the righteous, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but but also for those of the whole world. And he himself, Jesus the righteous, is the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a word that means atoning sacrifice. Now I'm gonna try to make this as easy for us to understand as I can. Really, in in its root form, its basic form, it means a satisfying sacrifice. Propitiation, a sacrifice that satisfies. A satisfying sacrifice. Understand, God's wrath, his anger for sin, is not erased. It is taken in Jesus Christ. It's not blotted out. Well, it doesn't exist. It never existed. It existed because of our sin, but it is satisfied in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you what that's talking about. That's talking about the cross. That's talking about the cross. This whole message just got a lot better just now. That is talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the righteous, the one without sin, the one who never sinned, he takes up our cause and he goes to the cross of Calvary and the penalty for sin and God's wrath at sin is placed on him and he is the sacrifice that satisfies. He is the the satisfying sacrifice for sin. It is satisfied in him on the cross of Calvary. Do you see who Jesus is? And that's what he's he's hammering here. 
Do you see who Jesus is? Do you see what Jesus has done? You see, a defense attorney might take up your case. A defense attorney might take up your cause and and he might put in a bunch of effort and he might put in a bunch of work and he might try his best. But Jesus, our advocate, Isaiah chapter nine says he's the wonderful counselor. Jesus, our defense attorney, he says, you know what? I'm here before the judge and I can't plead away their case. They're guilty. He says, I'm here before the judge and I can't plead down their case. They deserve it. But he stands there as the sacrifice that will satisfy God's wrath towards sin. And he says, I can't plead it away. I can't talk it away. But you put it on me, all of it. You put it on me and I will settle it. I will settle it. He is the satisfying sacrifice for sin. Wow. Then it says this. And not for ours only, this is a big sentence, but also for those of the whole world. He's he's the sacrifice that takes the penalty for sin upon himself. He takes the penalty, the wrath of God poured out towards sin, and he doesn't say it's God. He says, put it on me. And he takes it. But then hear this. Christ's work on the cross is not limited in scope. Praise God for that. Christ's work on the cross, listen, it is enough for all people. When he goes to the cross and they nail him to the cross and his blood runs out, it extends to all people. It is enough for all people. And so let me tell you something, brother. Thankfully for you and me, it is then offered to all people. Now what just happened here? Two verses. What just happened here? Notice in verse two, it says this. And he himself, that's the biblical Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. That's the biblical gospel. In two verses, John says this. You know what? It matters who Jesus is. And it matters what the gospel is because in in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth of Jesus, the sacrifice that comes and atones for sin, we have the forgiveness of our sin. And so he lays it out in two verses. Here's the biblical Jesus. Here's the biblical gospel. Two calls as we wrap this up today. Two responses as we wrap this up today. First is this. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, the cross is enough for you. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you know what? He died paying the penalty for your sin. He took the shame and the filth and the rot and the garbage of my sin and your sin, and he bore it to the cross of Calvary. And I want to tell you, a a righteous God, a just God that can't stand sin He doesn't say, well, I'm going to overlook it. He pours his wrath out on him. He does it for you. He does it for me. The Bible says they take him off of this cross and they put him in a grave. Three days later, he comes out of the grave alive, victorious, payment received. And he stands as the risen Savior. First cause is, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, do it today. Do it today. Settle it today. Do not leave here without it settled today. Second call of this message today is this. 
if you've put your faith in Christ, talking to the men as a grown man sitting at this table, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then let us pour out of here and let us stand for the biblical Jesus and the biblical gospel. Close enough, not good enough. Let us stand. Let us be a generation that says, you know what? That's deemed as ignorant. doesn't matter. I'm going to stand on the truth of Christ and the gospel. That's deemed as intolerant. Somebody might not like it. It may offend them. I'm going to stand for the truth of Christ and the truth of the gospel. Let us be those men. A little old lunch in Vernon, Texas. Let us be those men who stand for the truth of Jesus and the truth of the gospel. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll leave this in a word of prayer. Glad you were here today. Glad you were here. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for you. We praise you. We worship you. So kind, so gracious, so merciful to us. All of us have sinned. You tell us not to sin, but if we sin, we sin. But I'm so thankful that we have an advocate and not somebody that's going to come and and plead my case. My case is an open and shut case. I'm guilty. But the one that comes in his own righteousness and goes and offers me his righteousness, that I might stand forgiven, that I might stand redeemed, that I might be repaired and restored in a relationship with the holy God. I'm thankful for my advocate, Jesus. I pray for some here that do not know him as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today, in the hearing of the gospel, that it just, it wells up in their heart, that it connects in their mind, that today would be the day they call Jesus their Lord. I pray for us here today as men that as we go out and as the attack of the world wants to water it down, wants to wash it away, that we would be a generation right here, these men, who would stand on the biblical truth of Jesus and the biblical good news of the gospel, and it would, it would make a difference. It would glorify you. It would point to you. I pray for the men here. Bless them. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Some here going through tough stuff. Some here going through relationship stuff, and it's hard. Let them be led by the truth of your word. Some going through financial stuff and it's hard. Let them be led by the truth of your word, comforted by your spirit. Some going through physical stuff here, sickness, illness. Let them be encouraged by the truth of your word, by the truth of who you are. Act as the great physician. Let it point back to you. Help us as men to bow a knee, to submit to you, to walk for your glory. We love you. We praise you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.